Well, that's one thing off my mental to-do list. Uh, Stitcher. Was this uh, some sort of podcasting program or app or service online? And I never really knew much about it, but a couple people said, Hey, hey, Frank, can you put the, uh, the OnSug Radio on Stitcher? Can you, can you make sure the Overnightscape is on Stitcher? Because that's where I get all my podcasts. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I can go on Stitcher. I remember tr- looking at it. And there was some, I, I, I looked at it, this was a couple years ago, and it's like, oh, would you like to add your show to Stitcher? It was like, just follow this simple 400-stage process. I don't know, I really don't remember exactly what it was, but there was something about the process that it wasn't easy. I couldn't just enter something. I had to, I had to do all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll do that later. I think I'll do that. I think I'll add my show to my, my, my stream or my feed to Stitcher later. And I never did. But it was always sort of in the back of my mind, should I should I go on that Stitcher app, you know, the podcast feed on the Stitcher app? Well, I was so relieved yesterday when I found out the Stitcher app is no more. It has shut down. In fact, it looks like it shut down uh, uh, at the end of August this year, just a few months ago, actually. So cross that, cross that off my mental to-do list. I don't have to do it anymore. It doesn't exist. But this is uh, one of these uh, cases where um, I guess it was successful, and then it was bought by Sirius XM Radio, and then they shut it down. <laughs> you notice a lot of times uh, these companies, they'll, they'll buy another company, then they'll just shut it down. I know what people say, oh, they, they want the tech, they want the, uh, the, the employees, et cetera, et cetera, but I don't know. It just seems like a strange thing. Buy a company, shut it down. Yes. Uh, anyway, so that that is re- really uh, a, a weight off my mind. Anyway, um, yeah, I was reading. I guess I guess the podcasting ad revenue is going way down, and a lot of people are having trouble. What did I read? Uh, something that like Twit is this week in tech with Leo Laporte. I remember I remember meeting him at one of the first, uh, you know, I went to the two podcast two podcast expos out in uh, California in 2005 and 2006. I remember meeting him and talking to him out there, Leo Laporte. It's on, I think it's on the tape. It's on, it's on the show when I went out there. But he, they, they just had to, like, lay off a ton of people and scale back their operation. They're like, listen, uh, the advertising, uh, you know, revenue on podcasting has gone way down and I sort of haven't, haven't been following that side of things because, uh, you know, our project here on Sug Radio and this show, The Overnight Escape, we're, we're non-commercial, so <laughs> it's a great business model. You don't, you don't, you don't have to worry about, uh, you don't have to worry about like, like uh, down ticks in the uh, uh, dialing back of the, uh, you know, these buzzwords of, uh, of, of ad revenue. Listen, I feel for people that, you know, we're, we're trying to make a living at it, but I, I don't know. It just shows there are some advantages to non-commerciality. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't think people really understand non-commerciality, really. It's just like, no, I'm, we're just doing it because we love it. It's a creative thing that we love doing, and we feel like, you know, I love doing it. And, uh, you know, that's sort of, you know, normally if you think, you know, you need money, you need to make money so you can be happy. But how about if you just do something that makes you happy directly, but then you got to keep your day job because you do have to support your life, you know, your housing and your food and all that stuff. <coughs> yeah. I know. I had that dream for many years of being able to quit my day job and make money being creative. But 
you know, this society we're living in is is not uh, particularly uh, friendly towards that uh, proposition at all. Um, but yeah, so I guess I guess people are having trouble with the podcasting revenue. But yeah, yeah. So we're not. It's it's not nonprofit. It's just non-commercial. So I mean, like there really are no operating costs per se in doing this network. Uh, my web host just costs a couple bucks a month. I can certainly afford that with uh, my the money I make from my day job and uh, hosting it on the Internet Archives thus far has been free. Hopefully they don't get shut down from all those lawsuits. They they have Somehow they, they, they scanned all these books in and all these book publishers are suing them, and let's hope they don't uh, have to shut down. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just sort of a quirk of history that we're, you're able to do this without a lot of funding. I mean, media stuff, like if you wanted to have a radio station in the past, even if it was going to be a small community radio station, you'd have to be non-profit. You'd have to raise money somehow, right? Get donations, uh, get get grants, that that kind of stuff, because you ne- you would need in the past to have actually like a access to some sort of transmitter, uh, you know, like a, like a radio studio with microphones and a mixing board, and you'd need all this stuff. So I guess it's weird. I guess it is kind of, in my case, perhaps a fortunate quirk of history that this has been able to be done non-commercially. Yeah. And then, of course, I would say that the inclusion of lots of Creative Commons licensed, like music, for example, that has the non-commercial clause into these shows has sort of baked in the non-commerciality it's like we can't really go back. I mean, of course, I could start something new. Anyone can start something new. But I don't know. I find it to be um, – it just sort of works for us, you know, for what we're doing here. Though it is a rather enormous project with over 14,000 hours of content. Yes, indeed. Anyway, yeah. Um, oh, another news with the, with the economy and stuff. It, this is really bizarre. Uh, there's a game called Magic the Gathering, right? And this is a, a game, a, a card game that started uh, what over thirty years over thirty years ago now, right? Ninety three is when it started, and um, it's a collectible card game. And uh, you know, I, I was actually aware of it when it first came out, and bought some packs back in the early days, probably some beta packs, I think, or maybe unlimited packs. They definitely were black border. I had cards in my possession that are now worth. Like thirty, forty thousand dollars just for the one card, but I gave them away. I didn't know it would become this huge. Um, and uh, I've never gotten into paper magic. I just feel like that's a bridge too far, if that's the right way to say it. Paper magic is so expensive and s- creates such a, m- a lot of clutter. You need space to store all your decks and stuff, and then you have to go in person and play with people. Uh, that never really appealed to me that much. So, also. Magic Online is not something I ever got into, but when they finally created a uh, a more user-friendly version, a computer game version of Magic the Gathering called Magic Arena, I jumped jumped on that, and I've really been enjoying it over the years now. Um, But it's still so expensive. The only format I play is uh, is Historic Brawl, which your decks don't become outdated because uh, if you're playing standard every year now now I know they've extended it but your decks become outdated like every year now maybe every couple years and you gotta spend more money um, even with these land bases that are rare forget it <laughs> listen I don't even I'm not even that into it I know this, it's really ridiculous so uh, 
Historic Brawl is the closest you can get to um, Commander, or originally known as EDH, Elder Dragon Highlander, on, on the Arena Client. Yes, everything about Magic is super confusing and super complex. But anyway, um, I could not afford to play Standard or even any f- constructed format because all I was doing in the past was buying the pre-orders, which was sort of $100 every like two or three months. I know you're thinking like, well, usually you can buy a video game for like $60 and you can then play it forever. Magic, uh, you, if you do pre-orders of like $100, all the packs you can open and, and all of the prizes you get, you could barely make one or two decks uh, constructed. So I, I really was not fond of the idea of spending any more than that. And in fact, um, now I have a, I do have a ton of uh, Historic Brawl decks. And now... If I want to make a new deck, I have some wild cards, and, you know, um, I usually can make one or two decks. But now I have my old decks I can I can keep playing. So I've, I've kind of stopped giving them money. Uh, the last, uh, I would say, for the past six to eight months, I haven't given them a dime. Just because, I don't know, I really haven't been that into the sets they've been releasing. I mean, I, I sort of found that, uh, was it the something of Eldraine, the sort of the fairy tale one? It wasn't really into that, and the new dinosaur pirate one. Caverns of Exelon. I wasn't really into that, and I don't know. I mean, the next one is ba- is is uh, Murders at Karlov Manor. It's coming out in February. It's based in um, Ravnica, which is definitely, I think, my favorite setting. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get that, but anyway, the reason I bring this all up is that um, uh, <clears throat> the news just broke the other day. So there. So this is what happened. So. It was a little company called Wizards of the Coast out on the West Coast somewhere, and they got super, super successful with their Magic the Gathering, and they eventually bought TSR, the company that makes Dungeons & Dragons. So they now owned Dungeons & Dragons as well. And then at some point, I don't know why, they seemed to be successful. Why did they have to sell? They sold to Hasbro, the major toy company. And uh, there's been endless issues and controversies with uh, Hasbro's management of Wizards of the Coast in the past couple of years. But apparently, Wizards of the Coast, with their Magic the Gathering and Dungeons & Dragons uh, uh, products, had, had a record year last year. They made tons of money. Um, they did great. Now, of course, the rest of the company, Hasbro, didn't do so well. So anyway, Wizards of the Coast did great. You'd think the people that worked there would get some bonuses, maybe they'd get some promotions, you know. No, they laid off a, like a quarter of their entire staff in, in at Hasbro, and uh, or 20% of the staff. Massive layoffs. So these people, can you imagine you're working, creating Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering, all this fantasy stuff, and you have like a record year, you're making t- money hand over fist, you're benefiting the company, and next thing you get a pink slip. You're laid off. It's done. Do they still use pink slips? I don't know. So this is really, I mean, it's kind of par for the course for uh, Hasbro and what's been going on lately. God only knows. I mean, it's like this bizarro world, you know, where you you do great, your company does great, oh, now let's lay everyone off. Anyway, I tried to log in. There was a new update, a new set called um, Cons of Tarkir, which is a re-release from a paper set from 2014. They're putting on Arena, and, you know, they usually give you a few, few, few free packs. I was on my phone, 
you know, the phone is funny because these updates are like 18 gigabyte update, 40 gigabyte update, 80 gigabyte update, and sometimes my phone crashes out. So I tried to log in, and it's like, uh, we cannot update the data. Would you like to retry or quit? I'm like, oh, okay. I guess my phone is full or something. Oh, my God, let's go on the, on the computer on Windows, and that'll be great. So I go on Windows. I get the same error trying to update it. Turns out tons of people, this is the third day now, we, are, we have not been able to log in at all. I cannot log in uh, at all. And I'm, many people have the same issue, and they found out what caused it. If you have a historic Brawl deck with a commander that has the specialized keyword, then you're out of luck, and no one even knows when they're going to fix this. I haven't been able to log in at all. I feel a little better because I haven't been giving them any money for a long time, and now I definitely won't be giving them any money anytime soon. Uh, there's this major bug. I don't know. I guess they didn't test it before they deployed the update. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely had some. Uh, I have a few commanders uh, in my, my decks that have specialized. It was, it's basically like... Uh, it's a uh, it's a card, and then when you play a card of a certain color, the card can transform into something else, and it could transform into different things. The specialized keyword, yeah, like uh, like that weird little fairy elephant guy. What was that guy's name? I forget. But anyway, so I can't log in. A lot of people can't log in, and now meanwhile, people are wondering. Listen, they just laid all these people off. Maybe the people that could have fixed the bug or have have now been fired, and <laughs> will we ever be able to play again? It's just wild. It's just, like, unbelievable. They had a record year, and everyone got fired. I mean, this is the bizarre world we're living in. But anyway, I, th- I it's so funny. I, I actually have... At one point, I was almost sort of playing more Magic Arena than Hearthstone. But Hearthstone, which is, like, n- next year is going to be the 10th anniversary, and I will have been playing the game for 10 years. It, it, it's a It's a game, a card game similar to Magic in some ways. Uh, based on the World of Warcraft universe, but um, I've been playing that more now because they've had some really good sets recently. They had the music-based set, the the Titan set, and then they had the uh, the, the Old West, kind of like the Weird West, right? Y- you know, the whole Weird West genre. I, I kept meaning to get... Remember there was that book about the Weird West? It's where, it's where you take a uh, the traditional Western uh, story... Uh, from that genre, and then you add in supernatural elements like dragons or vampires or things like that. There's been many examples of it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's a really good set in Hearthstone. But And now, next year, Magic is doing the same thing. They're doing a Wild West set as well. Uh, but, yeah, Hearthstone's just been great. It's really, it's really been great lately. I, I play it all the time. And, of course... Um, the other card game I play is uh, Marvel Snap, which is interesting because it's something of a progression, right? You had Magic the Gathering, which started off just as a paper card game that later had to be adapted to uh, being played on a computer, but because of the nature of the game, it was never ideally suited to be played on a computer. Um, you could have Sometimes you have so many cards on the screen, you can hardly see them and stuff. So Hearthstone uh, from Blizzard, which has had their own problems as a company, but um, was created to uh, create kind of a 
a version of that same kind of experience of a constructed ca uh, card game. Basically, it's it's a game where there's thousands and thousands of different cards, and you make your own decks based on those cards, and then you can play um, other people that have also made their own decks. So it's, it's, it makes for a very, very interesting and very um, satisfying experience that you can, anytime you could adjust your deck or make new decks uh, to play, um, as opposed to other games where the, same, the components just stay the same and you just play it over and over again. Um, they did it with um, the computer in mind so that uh, it was sort of a, took Magic the Gathering as a starting point and created something that was really just meant for the computer. Then when later they created um, a client for the phone and you know they really hadn't thought it through, the, f the phone client works great, but it's not 100% ideal uh, on the phone, right? You have to, first of all, it's in the, you know you have to turn your phone sideways to play it, et cetera, and things can get kind of small. But anyway, this guy Ben Brode, that was the uh, direct, I guess he was the game director at Hearthstone for many years, a very charismatic guy. So they would use him on all these videos, promoting everything. He wound up leaving and starting his own company called Second Dinner, and then they started to create a new card game, which was going to be thinking phone first so it's going to be vertical orientation it's going to be meant to play on a phone and they got the um <clears throat> the marvel comics a license and created marvel snap i play this game every day it is a fantastic game i'm still fully engaged with it <coughs> and i am pretty much paying like 15 dollars a month for the updates uh i don't you don't have to you can play the game free but i felt it was worth it for the 15 bucks a month um Still cheaper than Magic, really, in any way. But, uh, um, so this game was now super um, tuned to be on a phone. The games are shorter, vertical orientation, but still all of the satisfaction of deck building and all of the interesting combinations and everything else. So, uh, I always thought two games were enough. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what's happening. I can only really keep up with two card games. So I think, my, I think Magic is kind of fading. I'm just doing Hearthstone and Marvel Snap. There was another one in the past, uh, Legends of Runeterra from Riot. And uh, I was into that for a while, but I completely stopped playing that. These card games, uh, there's constantly stuff coming out, constantly new expansions, constantly trying to get money from you. So it's not just the money, but it's also just the the, the level of attention you want to play to these things. There's, there's a lot of grind, because when you play these games, there's all these missions you have to go on to get coins or gems or whatever. And you feel like if you don't do them all, you're wasting it because you can get all this free stuff, quote-unquote free stuff. So Maybe two card games is, is enough. I know most people don't even play these card games, but these card games are very important to me. Anyway, it's good stuff. I like it. I like games. Anyway, I have a card game. It's called uh, Flea Devil Solitaire. And... Uh, I'm, uh, I've been working on the book. I know I keep saying I'm working on the book. The next edition of the Onsug Radio book, the previous one was in 2021 called The Onsug. I've updated it to Onsug Radio. And uh, I've been working on it every day. It just feels like this, it's like I'm stuck in mud or quicksand or something. I know eventually I'll get it done. I just, it's hard to see the way forward. But um, I, did, I did make a, an advancement uh, just today. Uh, which, when I was thinking of Flea Devil Solitaire, you know, I don't, 
you know, I do want to include it in the book because I feel like I invented this card game here on the show over the course of, what, 16 years? Literally, from the barest beginnings, every step of the way, I, I talked about on the show here. I think the the, the, the game has, has become utterly fantastic. I play it every day. This is my card game, Flea Devil Solitaire. And, uh, you know, uh, I know there would be the potential to sort of branch it off and try to do something commercial with it. Um, but, you know, I really want to include it in the book because it's the idea is this is the game you can play while you're listening. You absolutely could play this game while you're listening to Onsug Radio. So I wanted to make sure if... And I do think this game is so good. I think it could catch on eventually. I hope it does. Um, I want to make sure that it benefits Onsug Radio. So I'm updating the logo to say Flea Devil Solitaire from Onsug Radio, right? So that it will always be there. The Onsug Radio thing will always be there. So it will be a way of promoting Onsug Radio sort of baked into the, the, the identity of Flea Devil Solitaire. Now listen, maybe no one will ever play this game and maybe I'll be the only person playing it, whatever. But I wanted to make sure. So I, it was interesting because I was working on the uh, the spine of the book. See, this is the thing when you're when you're doing a book, right? Like every you have to create everything. So even the spine of the book, you have to create the graphics on that. And I found that the Ansog Radio logo, which I really do like, doesn't really work in that uh, horizontal format. So just uh, the other day, I, I took the word Ansog and the and the radio uh, in the Busarama font. I actually, uh, you know, for the radio part in the logo, the letters are spaced out, but I brought them uh, to regular spacing for this use. So I have an Ansug radio uh, logo for sort of a horizontal use, and I really do like how it looks. So I use that in the Flea Devil Solitaire from Ansug radio logo, and um, it looks really good. I really love how it looks. And um, anyway, that's the story there. Um but yeah, I pretty much have the front cover and back cover done at this point. Um, you know, I have the hosts on the back cover. By the way, if anyone's listening and you have a picture in here and you'd like to update the picture, let me know. Uh, I, I And I, I added 10 new hosts uh, for the 2023 update. Um, old and new hosts, but uh, I would say most of them are people who... Uh, have uh, really been on uh, the exit ramp a lot in the past two years. But we also have Maverick88 and James from Scotland who did their own shows on the channel this year. And, of course, Jeff from Houston, who uh, I added the Meandering Mouse, his uh, Disney theme park podcast, uh, uh, after the release of the last edition. So we have Jeff from Houston, Maverick88, James from Scotland, Jefferson from Philadelphia, Martin in New Jersey and Silicon Valley, Jerry A. Green from Houston, Anne from Suffer, New York, Eve from Florida, Michael Fair and his wife Sarah, and Jay Foreman. So, the host update. Uh, yeah, like, and then like the title page. You know, there's supposed to be two title pages a simple one and then a more complex one. Like, I just sort of have all of this, you know, every little thing you have to, like, make, you know, and it. Don't even talk to me about this table of contents. I don't know. I think the table of contents. I I know, I'll I'll get it. I'll get it there. But currently, the table of contents is a real shit show, to be honest. Because it because it uses um, 
header styles to sort of construct the table of contents and my god it's a mess and i and i will fix it i will make it work but yeah anyway i really want to get this book done this by the end of this year is really weighing heavily on my mind beyond that whole stitcher thing this is weighing on my mind getting this book done but i think it's good that i waited because i am i am making some good uh I say refinements and stuff. Just like the cover I talked about last time, I added a few things to the cover. The little radio towers on the left and right and the little hidden 209 and the artwork there, the purple artwork. So anyway, making progress. Yay. I do like the way the book cover looks, though. It's that sort of, you know, yellow ochre orange color with black and white and purple and a little bit of green. It's... I think it will stand out, which we do need to stand out because this, this, right? If there had needs to be something about the cover that stands out because we want this to keep going thousands of years into the future. So there has to be something interesting about it. It def- definitely doesn't look quite look like any other book cover. And I think a bit more distinctive than the past book covers as well. Anyway, in other news, as you may know, my father passed away earlier this year, and my brother and I have been, uh, you know, working on the house. You know, had to go through the whole house to find things we wanted to keep. Then we had an estate sale company come in, and if, I think I talked about on the show going to the estate sale. How bizarre the house I grew up in uh, turned into a store. Well, now the house is empty, and it's been listed for sale. It's completely empty, and uh, the real estate listing shows all the rooms empty, and. Um, it's been on the market for six days now, so yesterday uh heard that uh, there was an offer above ask, and, uh, you know, with real estate, you never know if the deal's going to go through, but hopefully it will go through. I know there has been a lot of interest in the house. It's a nice neighborhood I grew up in over there in uh, Bridgewater, New Jersey. Um, so I'm crossing our fingers that it'll go through. Whoever's buying it is getting a great a great place to live, honestly. Um but uh, I haven't been in the house when it, since it's been empty. I was going to go uh, over the last weekend when I went to see my cousin Vinny's play out in Belvedere. But after we had dinner, it was just too uh, just too wiped out, you know, to uh, to go there. So I'm hoping to go there on Saturday. Obviously, it will not have closed by then, so it, you know, it's still in the possession of the estate. So uh, yeah, I just want to walk through the house when it's uh, empty and just see it. Uh, that'll probably be the last time I go to the house. And it's kind of sad, you know, it's kind of like, you know, as I said, it's the house I grew up in and that my parents lived in. We, you know, they, we moved in in 1972 and they've been there ever since. And of course my mother passed away two years ago. My father earlier this year, very sad, you know, but, uh, yeah, look at this. How many uh, views? 4,800 views on Zillow in just six days. Wow. Anyways, yeah, look at these. And it's funny how the real estate agent like has these like fisheye lenses. They make every room look enormous. I'm like, wait, these rooms aren't that big. But hey, there's a trick of the trade. What they call a trick of the trade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been sort of dealing with this for so long. It's like, you know. I'm, I'm I'm sure a few months down the line it, it'll sort of I'll start getting like you know it'll start hitting me and everything I don't know this is all this these kind of life things it's yeah like look at these rooms like this one room it's nowhere near that big 
in person, but it looks enormous. Was it the real estate lens? I like it. I like it a lot. Anyway. Yeah, that's the story. Hopefully I'll go there this Saturday and just do a final walkthrough to say goodbye to the house. <clears throat> On to another topic, Fish, my favorite band, Fish. Um, of course, recently they announced, as I said on the show, they're going to be playing at the Sphere in Las Vegas for four nights in a row. A very, you know, it was going to be a unique experience because they're creating video content for the interior of the Sphere. So, um, I entered the ticket lottery because I opted not to try to get the travel package because you know you get the hotel and the tickets together. But then you're kind of locked in, and it's not easy to... I don't think it's easy to, like, cancel it or anything. Um, or sell it or resell it. I don't think you can. It's like, uh, yeah, so... I could have tried that, but it seemed really expensive. In hindsight, maybe I should have tried the travel package because uh, I entered the ticket lottery, and, man, I, I lost the lottery. It said, uh, yeah, your order is unfulfilled. Of course, everyone is commiserating. Is that the right word? commingling our misery, commiserating on on the fish subreddit. Uh, so many people didn't get tickets. It's a 20,000-seat venue, but still such a massive uh, demand. And, of course, all the scalpers and stuff. So now uh, my next opportunity is tomorrow, the general sale. Um, I, it's one of those things. Last time the same thing happened earlier this year. I, I did wind up going to the... Um, seven shows in a row in Madison Square Garden. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why would you want to see a band this much? Well, Fish is different than other bands. They play com- a completely different set list every night, right? So those seven shows, they didn't repeat a single song, right? Most bands are not like that. If you go to see, like, you know, even like Steely Dan, which I saw, was it last year? Was it this year? Maybe it was last year. You know, they basically have a, a set list, and then I think what most artists do, there's a set set list, and then there's a few spots where they can switch songs in and out. Fish is not like that. Every show is completely unique and worth watching. Of course, you have to become a fan. You have to become familiar with their music to some extent, which can take years. Luckily, I got in sort of through the back door. I was a mild fan for years and then became a bigger fan. I know most people have never even heard of Fish, but they're selling out all these venues, and even though no one ever heard of them. Um, yeah, so it's going to be this thing where you, you log in. It's going to be 1 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow. you got to log in. And uh, when, I, when I went on, I saw a chart of Madison Square Garden. And um, the, the seats were disappearing before my eyes. I, just, I had to quickly just choose one and buy it. It was really uh, like that. So I don't know how it's going to go tomorrow. I really want to get, you know, I need to get four nights, two, two tickets. I, my wife's going to come with me. Out to Vegas, and um, the only problem is there's this whole section in the 100 area that's under this that has an obstructed view. The whole point of going to the sphere, you're inside this enormous space, right? You're inside a sphere, and there's video on every surface, and it's this incredible experience. But a ton of seats, you can't see it. You can't see all those videos. So I, 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 I you know, that that's like uh, the in the section 100 from like uh, rows 20 and up. So I hope they, I, I, I do not want to get an obstructed seat. I, I'll, I'll go in 300s or 400s easily, you know. 
They said even at the top of like the 400s, because of the curvature of the dome, you you might miss something. And it doesn't make, really make any sense, but anyway. Then if I fail that one, then of course there's the resellers, the scalpers, where um, you got to pay multiple times more for the tickets. And these are already expensive tickets. They're about if, in the pre-sale. If I was going to get them, they would have been about I guess 125 dollars each. Right, so two fifty a night for two tickets, about a thousand for four nights. Listen, that's a lot of money. Okay. Plus, you had to fly out there and get a hotel and everything. So, listen, I love fish. I wanted to see it. Anyway, wish me luck tomorrow. I'm gonna try. Ay ay ay. I mean, uh, yeah. Not only that. Coming up next week now, is, they're gonna, Fish is going to be at Madison Square Garden in New York, the original Madison Square Garden. Well, not the original, but you know what I'm saying. It's actually the third or fourth Madison Square Garden that existed in New York, but that's beside the point. Uh, I think I'm going to go to – they're doing a 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st. I think I'm going to do the Thursday, Friday, and then not the Saturday, Sunday. I haven't bought any tickets yet, but there's plenty available for a relatively reasonable 134 per night. It it does it is pretty expensive, but it's not like thousands of dollars, you know. So, yeah, I have to get those tickets too. It seems like fish tickets is a constant issue I have to be dealing with. Anyway, so I'm watching uh, Steamboat Willie, the first released Mickey Mouse cartoon from 1928. Uh, obviously, Plain Crazy, and then there was another one they made beforehand, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't release it. So right now, this is copyrighted, right? So what we're hearing here is a, cop a copyrighted cartoon. But come a few weeks from now, January 1st, 2024, this cartoon will enter into the public domain. And uh, Mickey Mouse, which they've been trying to avoid for so long, and they've been lobbying Congress and changing everything, Mickey Mouse... At least this version of Mickey Mouse will be in the public domain as far as the copyright is concerned of this version of Mickey Mouse, but certainly not that they still have the trademark to Mickey Mouse. But yeah, here it is. I'm just trying to see if the audio is good. The audio is not necessarily that descriptive. What? He just attacked a parrot? It's not very nice. Everyone's very violent in these old cartoons, as, 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 as I'm sure everyone's aware. Was that chewing tobacco? Of course, a lot of chewing tobacco. Ugh, he's spitting. That's Pete, right? What's his name? Pegleg Pete? Not Pegleg Pete, just Pete, the evil, the vague Mickey Mouse villain. So this will this will be out of copyright soon, though it is copyrighted now, so let's stop watching it. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, on a different topic here. Um, this is a local restaurant which shall remain nameless that uh, I went to back in July and um they had this outrageous thing on the menu that I remember talking about on the show back then, like five months ago, 
uh, it says a 3% surcharge added to all checks. And that, we asked the waiter about it. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of inflation and, uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we you know we, the the prices are too low, so we have to add uh, we have to add three percent to all the checks. It's like what the actual f are you talking about? Just raise the prices of the food. Oh, but we don't want to raise the prices because people may think it's too expensive. So apparently, a lot of restaurants have been doing this, but the way it's worded, three percent surcharge added to all checks, that's just insane. I found that to be very wrong, and it's like, well, we we can waive it for you if you want. So obviously, they must have gotten a lot of complaints about this. I understand they don't want to raise their prices, but you can't just add a surcharge. Obviously, they I guess they can if it's, you know, it's, it's kind of in small type, but I found that rather objectionable. So uh, we went back. To, I do, I'm not a big fan of this place, by the way, but we went back there the other day, and I saw they had uh, revised their uh, surcharge to be almost the same thing, but kind of uh, alleviated the... Uh, uh, what would you say the um, the severity of it? Now it says two point five percent processing fee will be added to all credit card transactions. Right, instead of a surcharge, which just sounds like what the hell? You're just charging me more money. Oh, oh, oh you're charging me for process. What the hell are they doing? What it, it, it it's for the person to take your credit card and swipe it through the machine. That's the processing to all credit card transactions. So I guess if you pay cash, you don't get it. Who's paying cash anymore, though? Probably, I, I would imagine 90-some-odd percent is all on credit cards. So they did a good job, I think, uh, even though it's... And, and they did cut a half a percent off. But all, but when you start putting, like, 0.5, it starts confusing people so they don't get quite upset. Oh, and it seems like so much less than three. Anyway, I would hope I never have to go back to that place. I don't like that place, but anyway, it was interesting how they sort of change these surcharges. Uh, yeah. I guess this, I guess people people go there a lot. They don't want to see their favorite dish raise the price. I don't know. What's going on these days? Obvi- obviously, we're in a very unstable time in history. Everyone's having all sorts of problems. It's later on now, and uh, I have a Smisky. Yes, I have a Smisky. Uh, if you go to smisky.com, that's S-M-I-S-K-I dot com. It is, uh, it is uh, these little figurines uh, from Japan. Uh, it says, Smisky are curious little creatures that love hiding in small spaces and corners of your room. Although they like to stay hidden... You might discover one at night as they mysteriously glow in the dark. It is interesting to see the many types of smisky with different personalities and character. So, like uh, th- this, uh, you know, genre of um, collectible figurines um, that come in a blind box assortments. That is, uh, you buy a box; it may have one smisky in it, but you don't know which one it is. You see what I'm saying? So if you want a particular kind, you either have to buy a bunch of boxes or, of course, get them, you know, buy them in the secondary market. And I had been kind of peripherally aware of these. Um, I do think that, you know, sort of like, well, it's sort of like Magic the Gathering, where you, you buy packs of randomized cards hoping to get the good ones. <coughs> um, but anything that's like physical objects can cause clutter. 
which I am certainly beset by, as most of us are. Uh, but my neighbor has a store, and uh, she gave me a she gave me a smisky, to, uh, a sample smisky here. Uh, she sells smiskies in her store, and she says she can't keep them in stock. As soon as she has any people all over the world, just buy them, and it's like this incredible um, obsession people have with them. And there's all these different series, like uh, like what series one? What, is this where it all started? I don't even know when this whole thing started. <coughs> like a, a smisky hugging knees, always in the corner, hugging onto the knees, staring out into the distance, pensive in thought. So these are creatures like uh, almost like it. They look like little weird little spirits, almost like from like a Miyazaki movie. They're greenish white. It's their glow in the dark. I, I, I have to see if this one actually glows. I think we have to find some darkness. I, I do have a, a way to get darkness, even though it's still daytime. Um, and then they have green uh, highlights, like like a little. The nose is raised, and the ma- mouth and the eyes are green. And uh, <coughs> yeah, they're just in all these different positions. I guess people like putting them all over their house or something. I'm not really sure. I'm not not quite sure what the concept is here. I I, I mean, I, I get it. It's collecting something, but I guess it's for decoration. That the, these weird little creatures. Um, there's the bath series, the toilet series, and series one through four. What's in the toilet series? Oh, here's one you can put inside a toilet roll to peekaboo. Some Smiskies holding their 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 nose because it smells. Smisky giving you some toilet paper. It, it's yeah, it's a little bit, yeah, a little creepy, a little creepy. Um, well, wow, there's all different series now. Rain, what's a rain bomb? <coughs> what? The hell! Oh, it's like a, it's like a bath bomb you can get now. Dressing series. Oh, they're putting clothes on. Uh, museum, Smiskies. Oh, kind of like different, like like Dolly with a melted clock on its back. I don't know about these products. <laughs> uh, I think. What series did I, I? This one is uh, from a different series. I think I think I have a link to it. Mine is sort of sitting in a lotus position, almost like meditating. But it, there's a light bulb on its head, so it's like, uh, yes, yeah, the work series, at work series, yeah. So this one is called Smisky Good Idea. Smisky is inspired. The light bulb means he has a good idea. I guess if people really. I guess if you're really into it, you want to have like hundreds of these things all over your house. Yeah, I guess. It could just be like, is there, let me see, is there like a subreddit for Smisky? I, I'm not really, <coughs> how did it get so popular? Uh, maybe there's nothing here, yeah. Smisky. There must be some sort of fan community of this. Smiskies, there you go, Smiskies. Almost sounds like the uh, Smithy Awards. Uh, yeah. Here's someone that's making a Smisky hotel. Yeah, here's someone that has like dozens of Smiskies in their house. Okay, and they all glow in the dark. Okay, I, I can kind of get it, I guess. Yeah. Here's a Smisky, Smisky struggling to put a sweater on. Hmm. 
Oh, look, yeah, and then someone else is collecting those those little uh, Cupid dolls. Yeah, it's kind of similar. Oh, there's the bathroom one. It glows blue instead of green, and it has a little roll of toilet paper for you. I don't think you can really use it, though. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and here's someone else's picture. They have a bunch of them glowing in the dark. Hmm. Here's someone else's Smisky collection, six months of collecting. So people are posting their collection of Smiskies on the uh, on the website here. Yeah, I guess people just get into it. I mean, here's someone X X-rayed their Smiskies to see what they looked like on the inside. <laughs> well, I mean, they're better than those like. Those other kind of like I know like my my mother had collected a ton of figurines that were in the house when you know they, they all got like sold on the uh, estate sale. This is kind of that same urge to collect figurines, but they're weird in Japanese, which is kind of cool. But yeah, anyway, wow, it's, it's the Smisky subreddit. There's a ton of pictures. People really uh, love their Smiskies. Anyway, uh, it's been. All right, let me uh, find some darkness. If I go into my the bathroom in my basement, it should be nearly pitch black. Let's go there and see if this thing really does glow. Let's see. Let's see. It's probably not quite as dark as the uh, the tube in the uh, the space castle, but it's pretty dark in here. Let's see. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. It's glowing. Yeah. Ooh, there it is in the mirror, glowing. There's the the red light from my uh, recorder and my Smisky. What is that green light there? Oh, it's like a power outlet has a little light on it. And you can see a little bit of light around the edge of the door, but otherwise, yeah. No, this this sucker's glowing. It's definitely glowing. I like the light bulb on its head though. That that's pretty cool. It has an idea. Let's see if I can I put it on a shelf. I don't, I don't know. Let me see if I can feel the shelf here. Yeah. So there's a little smisky on the shelf. I guess it's kind of cool. Uh oh, am I gonna get addicted now? I'm gonna be addicted to smiskies. No, I have enough junk as it is. I don't need more tchotchkes and dust collectors. What have you? But it looks like I have one smisky. All right, how do you get out of here? <laughs> I can't see anything. Where's the doorknob? Oh, there it is. Okay. That's cool. Instant darkness. Or near darkness. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's kind of dark down here. Anyway, you can see it glowing. You probably have to put it, like, like if you put it in sunlight, it probably glows, like, a lot better than... Yeah. Anyway, there you go. I, I, I finally have a Smisky. Kitty? He's wondering what I was doing down there. I, I, I needed darkness for my Smisky kitty. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Oh, it's like cold, real cold outside here. Ooh. Anyway, it's a few minutes later now, and I, uh, I heard a rumor that they fixed the bug on this magic arena. Can I actually get in now? Yay, they fixed it. Yay. Now I can play Magic Arena. 
Let me get some free packs. Whoa, see, I got three free packs, some lands. All right. Let's open the packs. Let's see if I get any good cards in these packs. The Kamsa Tarkir. I'm not really too excited about this, this set. All right, what's the big card I'm getting? It is Thousand Winds. An elemental creature that can morph. Great. It took them three days to fix this problem. All right, what, what's this one? It is Utter End, Exile Target Non-Land Permanent. For two generic mana, a white and a black. Okay. <clears throat> Exciting. Not. Ooh, it's a, ooh, it's a mythic rare. Soren the Solemn Visitor, a legendary planeswalker. Yeah, he's like a vampire, man. <laughs> yeah, baby. All right, well, that was fun. I'll play that later, whatever. <laughs> I'm glad they finally fixed it so I can actually log in. So I guess they didn't lay everyone off. There must have been someone left to fix it. Anyway, uh, today's episode is called 209, yes. I never had an episode called 209 before. Can you believe it? So what happened is this image that you see on the show art uh, came up somewhere. I don't know where it was. Google Photos, Facebook, X.com, somewhere. You know, you know, they show you a photo from the past. Oh, this is from X number of years ago. I'm like, ooh, that's a good image. I, I, I'll save it. The image uh, is of uh, me holding a claim check uh, with the number 209 in one of those infinite mirror kind of situations. I think it was in a bathroom that had infinite mirrors, as you see that affinity, infinity effect. The weird thing was that uh, when I went to look to where this came from, I couldn't find it anywhere. I cannot find where this image came from. I mean, I remember the incident but I, I couldn't find it in my Google Photos or on Facebook or anywhere. I searched everywhere. Isn't that weird? Um, so a little bit of background on 209 if you're not aware. I know I talk about it all the time. My first day of college, it was uh, <clears throat> September 1st or 2nd, uh, 1985. And I was just arrived at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. There was an orientation barbecue and I probably ate some barbecue because I was not, I was still eating meat at that time. I was not yet vegan. I turned vegan uh, around March-ish, uh, 1987. I'm vegetarian, that is, not vegan. Um, vegan 2018. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I was walking down across the campus. Again, this is my first day. And um, I was by myself. And I don't know where my roommate John was. Because I met John at a, at the summer orientation. And he... We got we we uh, we got to talking. We both were really into comic books, and we really got along. And he asked me if uh, I would like to be his roommate. I guess he was kind of uh, nervous about what kind of roommate he would get. I'm like, sure. So he was my roommate. He's one of these guys, though, that uh, afterwards I lost touch with him. And in recent years, I have really had a hard time finding him. I found I he has no presence online. I finally found him on LinkedIn, but I'm like, listen, this guy obviously doesn't want to be found. I don't know what the heck's going on with this guy. 
he's like you can hear his voice on the archive you know on some of the old college recordings but anyway um so I'm, i don't know where he was why he wasn't walking with me but i was walking in and then there's this uh this guy one of my fellow students is walking and he was talking to this woman and i and so i guess we sort of maybe two pathways were converging and i and i heard him say I enjoy exploring the mysteries of the universe. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, oh, I do too. Oh, really? So I don't know what happened to the woman he was talking to, but we started talking. And uh, we sort of instantly hit it off. And this was Brian Cassidy, who is uh, one of the three weasels. You can hear him on this channel uh, immensely, along with me and Peter. I hadn't met Peter yet. Peter I met the following summer at the birth control factory. That's a whole other story. But anyway... So I uh, I got talking to Brian. I'm like, we enjoy the mis- mysteries of the universe. And we're probably sitting there eating some meat. <laughs> Ugh, did I really eat meat back then? Um, and 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 uh, so in the course of our conversation about the mysteries of the universe, we're like, he's like, so uh, so 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 what dorm are you in? I'm like, oh, I'm in uh, Brown Brown Hall. He's like, oh, really? I'm in Tolly Hall. The two dorms were connected uh, by this uh, uh, Tolly Brown Lounge. Right, so you could sort of seamlessly walk through. If you're in Brown, you could walk through into the lounge, and then you could walk through into Tolly, which is actually in the basement of Tolly, is where uh, the the radio station was. Right, so that was very convenient. You know, if you're going to be on the radio, you could just walk right down there. Anyway, uh, he's like, "Oh wow," uh, he's like, "What's your room number?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm in room number two oh nine." He's like, "Really?" He's like, I'm also in room number 209. I was like, okay, so I'm in Brown 209 and you're in Tolly 209. That's weird. That's what started the whole 209 thing. Years later, I realized that the United States was at that time 209 years old, right? July 4th, 1776, right? 1976 was when America was 200. And then uh, nine years later, it was 1985. So, yeah. So I started, you know, I, because of that, I started exploring 209 and eventually came up with this weird system of altering reality using 209 and everything. And it became a big obsession of mine and eventually became a, a project known as Oblivion, a super occult amusement, all during the 90s and uh, early 2000s. And uh, in 2003, I'm, I finally gave it up. I think I was if if you if I really am honest and analyzing my writings and my intentions at that time it seems like I was trying to start a cult honestly but there was really no one interested in it so I was the only member of the cult and I managed to deprogram myself from myself and get out of it but it was yeah so it was like January 2003 I'm like listen I just have to st- I'm going to stop with this project it's not going anywhere. I've been bashing bashing away at this for years. And literally two months later, the Overnight Escape started. It was amazing. One door closes, another door opens. Is that all, all that jazz? <clears throat> but I'm still very fond of 209. I still don't know what it means. There's a lot of different theories. And then I met, in 2008-ish, I met Peter Bernard, who you can hear on the channel here. He does a lot of stuff on YouTube. He works a lot with uh, PQ River, and he's had his own shows on here. Um, he is also big into 209, and he says that he discovered it also in 1985. So me and and Brian and Peter, the other Peter, but there's two Peter. Peter Litke is 
one of the three weasels, Peter Bernard, is not a, a weasel, but he's a 209 guy. There was one exit ramp where all three of us, Peter Bernard, Brian Cassidy, and me, Frank Edward Nora, were all there and just discussing 209 and all of our different ideas. Um, Brian thinks it's like a, the 209 relates to how the world we're living in is a computer simulation, and it's one of the code numbers of this world. Peter Bernard is uh, a bit more into the um, Aleister Crowley um, work, and apparently Aleister Crowley did um, <clears throat> focus on a number, which is 418, which is twice 209. And he created this word abrahadabra, where he took abracadabra and changed that one letter to an H to abrahadabra. So it would, whatever that numerology or gematria or whatever that is, would make it into 418. Interestingly, in college, I, before college, in high school, I created a, a series of comic strips called Half Evil, The World of Half Evil. And then it became my comic company, my mini comic company, Half Evil Graphics. So I said that to Peter Bernard on the show. I'm like, wow, you know, I had this half evil graphics and you're here telling me that Alistair Crowley had this 418 and he was evil, right? So half evil would be 209 even before I discovered. He's, he's like, no, Crowley was not evil. He's just misunderstood. Okay. I don't know. I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know a lot about Alistair Crowley or Crowley or however you want to pronounce it. Um, I, my, th my view of uh, 209 is that... Um, talking about different timelines and different uh, philosophies and the day people versus the night people. And, and more broadly, there's a day Illuminati and a night Illuminati. So the day forces are predominant these days. So think uh, discipline structure, especially pyramidal control structures you see in corporations and military um, driving wedges between people, making people look at other people as parts of groups and pigeonholing, pigeonholing people and everything. Um, that kind of control, top-down control, everything else is like the day. And then the night is night forces would be more characterized by what you might think of as the hippies, you know, more relaxed, less structures. Instead of pyramidal control structures, everyone's sort of at an even level encouraging people to um, relinquish control and just let everything happen as it may. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, like the hell hippie thing, groovy man, things like that. Now, listen, both of these sides in pure form are both perhaps not good. You need a mix, but our current mix is like way too much day and not enough night. So my view of 209 is that it is a, trying to rebalance things and, and bring more of that night energy in. So none of us know, but we're all beset by it. And I, and I always see, you know, we always talk about seeing 209s in movies and TV shows and all over the place I'm seeing 209. Um, one particularly interesting 209 was in the TV show The X-Files. You remember... X-Files went off the air, but then they brought it back a couple times. Even as as of like maybe five years ago, there were some episodes. Anyway, um, there was one where whoever was chasing someone through a parking lot, and they went into this door. It said like 209 Apartments. 
the two, it was called the 209, an apartment building. And turns out <clears throat> that was the 209th overall episode of, of the X-Files. Meanwhile, they didn't do anything like that for 208 or 210 or any other number. They only did it for 209. But I'd like to point out there is no online... You won't find anyone else talking about 209. It's not something that anyone else cares about. It's just the, us. there's like three people that I know of, me and Brian and Peter Bernard, that uh, are into 209. I, I have not heard of a single other person. It's not. An, there's no conspiracies. There's nothing. It's a very small thing. Um, so anyway, it's sort of like my personal number. You know, th- these three-digit numbers, you know, you have like 420 for smoking weed, 666, the number of the beast, later revised to 616, I think. That didn't really catch on, though. That revision didn't catch on. They're like, they, they're like oh, it, oh, the scripture was mistranslated. It's not 666, it's 616. Listen, 616 doesn't sound that. That just sounds like someone's area code. It doesn't sound like, like the ultimate evil, okay? And I know there's numbers like the number 23 that people, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, and then there was that the number I was into 1423 and I found a way that relates to 209. Anyway, it was this whole thing. I tr- I try to keep it at arm's length now. I don't want to start a cult of 209. If I if if I was going that direction, I don't know why I don't want to. Anyway, this image now. Let me describe to you I what I can remember of this incident and then I'm trying to figure out when it was. I don't know what year it was. I probably talked about it on the show, but anyway, down 3rd Avenue by around 40th Street-ish. Um, I used to go to Qdoba, which was a, uh, you know, it's like a burrito place that they, it's kind of like a Chipotle, you know. They were in New York City, and then they took them out of New York City, but they still have them in Jersey. This must have been before 2018 because, right, I was probably just vegetarian and not vegan. So I was able to eat the cheese-laden uh, burritos at this place and they were really good it was funny because this one location on 3rd and 40th I think it was where it was uh, their burritos were remarkably better like there was one up uh, by 53rd and 3rd um, I know that's a Ramon song but in that uh, yeah in that I forget the name of the building but it's next to the lipstick building they had another one there and they weren't quite as good like this one place had such good burritos and then I would go next door there was a rooftop seating area. Let's see if I can find that. I'm just, just going to go to the maps and just zoom out and then zoom into New York City and see what we can find here. 3rd and 40th. 3rd and 40th. Let's see. Let's see if we can do the uh, satellite view and see if I can find this thing. 40th and... No, third. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, wait, that's not it. Was it Second Avenue? Maybe no, no, no. Where is it? Tunnel Exit Street. That's a good street. Oh wait, Fortieth. Yeah, yeah. No, this is it. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm just gonna. Yeah, Third and Fortieth. Exactly, exactly. Okay, here we go. Let me. Why is this? Why is maps looking like messed up here? I'm not I'm not seeing the usual controls. <sighs> All right, let me try again. Let me pause. Technical difficulties. 
Yeah, it's the strangest thing on Google Maps. If if you if you do the search wrong, it it goes into a different version of Google Maps with like less features. It's so weird. All right, let's try this out here. Okay, so yeah, so it is. Uh, yeah, it's on the northwest corner of by Third and Fortieth, and it is yeah this rooftop seating area. You can see it there. Let me let me do street view here. May. Yeah, yeah. So, right, there's a Shake Shack there now, but that had been. I wonder if I can look at the. Like, can I go back in time? Let's try November 2017. Hmm. It was Shake Shack then, too. Uh, wait a minute. This is not making sense because that definitely was Qdoba. Or maybe Qdoba was a, like, a, like a little bit down. Wait a minute. Where was the Qdoba, damn it? That makes no sense. You're saying it was a Shake Shack that far back? Let me go back to 2012. There's Qdoba. Okay, yes, yes. This this will help. This will help. And the restaurant, Zengo was the name of the restaurant. Zengo, Z-E-N-G-O, was the name of the restaurant. We went there for our holiday party. And so the Zengo is inside the building that the rooftop seating area is the roof of. So we went to Zango one year for our holiday party, and uh, I checked my coat, and I got that coat check, and then I took a picture of it in the bathroom. Let me see. Let me try. Uh, all right. So it's Shake Shack in 2022, but let's go to, how about 2017? It's Shake Shack. 2014, it's Shake Shack. October 2014, it is under construction, so... June 2014, August 2013, July 2012. Okay, that is wild. Are you telling me Qdoba closed in like 2012 or 2013? Wow. So yeah, this might be like that old, like 10 years old maybe, that picture. I don't know. I I, I don't know. uh, How about Zango? Now now we're going to see how long Zango lasted. Zengo was still there in 2014. 2017, it's still it's still there in 2017. Wow, is is it though? Yeah. Hmm. This is making it hard to figure out. It's there in 2018 and 2019. Oh, so maybe it got killed by the pandemic in 2021. It's still there in 2021, and then in 2022, it's gone. Okay, so it just it must have just shut down. Anyway. <laughs> I like this research tool. Anyways, um, yeah, so I thought this was a cool picture. What does it say? Claim check 209. In case of any loss, claim before leaving. Not responsible for contents of garments or anything left overnight. Yeah, you can see me there. I wonder if like my appearance could give me any clues. The infinite mirror thing. And then I, yeah, I just typeset the Overnightscape in uh, Uptight Neon. That's a good font. I think I had that on Letraset in back in the day. Let me see if I can find anything. Like if, I think if I can search for the name of this place, this might give me the date of this inc- incident. 
Yeah, I cannot. I cannot find. Uh, I cannot find it. I know I searched for claim check. Maybe if I search for coat check. In my notes. It's just weird. I can't remember where I even saw it. It just came up. So it must have been like the anniversary of it, right? Could it have been Facebook? No, but I searched Facebook for anything that had 209 in it, and it didn't come up. Hmm. Researching myself. Yeah. Can't. Nope. Not. Anyway, it was it was some time back then. I. It may have been after Qdoba closed. Who knows? But maybe longer ago than I thought. But I thought it was a cool image. And this episode is called 209. Right, it's nighttime now. <clears throat> and, uh... Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mention... Uh, on the last episode, I, I, I went to that sample sale and had uh, all those bags of... bags of bags to bring home. It's always the most difficult part. I was able to uh, reduce it to two bags, which was pretty key, and because I had my backpack, and I was able to uh, jam some bags into the backpack. Though it, it was a tight fit, and then I only had the two big bags. I put, uh, you know, the uh, inside the handbags. There's like this. Uh, Almost like a tissue paper that they sort of bunch up to sort of have them retain their shape. So I put a bunch of that on top so no one could see in the bags. Yeah, then I left and it was just a matter of just walking over to the bus terminal. And uh, I also needed to get bus tickets. And uh, luckily the bus I got on was not super uh, crowded. So I had most of the back to myself. There was one other person in the back, but yeah, and then just uh, carrying it all home. I was rather burdened, but in the end, it wasn't that big of a deal. As such things go. So um, yeah, there's finally some uh, some news on the America's 250th birthday coming up. Remember, I was talking about how uh, America was 209 years old back in 1985. Well. A lot of time has passed, and now America in uh, two and a half short years, right? Uh, is that correct? Yeah. Because it'll be 2024 soon, and we're talking July 4th, 2026. Yeah. It's going to be America 250. So there's a whole website, America250.org. And it's like, what is it, the semi-quincentennial? But I think they're going to, whatever word they have for 250, it just doesn't sound good. I remember the bicentennial back in 1976. That was uh, quite quite uh, cool. And I, I saw the American Freedom Train when it rolled through New Brunswick, New Jersey. It was like a museum on wheels, a, a train museum. But they have this new logo and stuff for the 250. Hmm. This website's not working. America250.org. Here we go. <clears throat> I was reading like like there was some this organization like there was some controversy about it. I only read a few, like the first paragraph, but they have a logo. I mean, of course, there was that 
pretty classic logo for the American Bicentennial. It was a sort of a five-pointed star with almost like ribbons around it, red, white, and blue. This one, a little controversial. It's, it does look like ribbons again, uh, spelling out a 250. Someone was trying to say it has sort of, it look, if you turn it sideways, it looks kind of phallic, but I really can't see the, uh, the what they're talking about. Two years, six months, and 20 days. There you go. And uh, America will be 250. Let's, here's a video. After 247 years, <laughs> you could say... <laughs> I think a guy sounds like he, he smokes like 20 packs a day. After 250 years. <laughs> Hold on, let me try this again here. After 247 years, you could say, I've seen some things. America speaking. Building a democracy from scratch. Okay, there's enough of that. Uh, <coughs> I don't know. It might be tough to, you know, get everyone on the same page. Everyone was really on the same page back in uh, 76, 1976, that is. But, yeah, I know I I used to talk about this, the upcoming uh, 250th America. Anyway, they have a logo now, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, time is really going fast. Like, I was trying to remember, you know, uh, Rob from the Punch Stevenson show. I remember my wife and I went to go see them. I'm like, wasn't that earlier this year, like in March or something? Then I looked it up. It was back in October 2022. I was off by how many months? By at least five months. Listen, time has been out of whack this year. It really has been. I mean, not even just considering all the stuff that happened. You know, my uh, I had the uh, 20th anniversary shows, and then right around the t- that time, it was in fact, yeah, it was right around the final episode of the, the, the trilogy there. My father uh, really got, got very sick, and uh, then he, he passed away. Uh, May 11th so I mean it, it, he didn't last uh, too long once he once he you know the cancer came back with such uh, so aggressively and uh, you know all the stuff with the house the memorial and not to mention just the whole you know grieving process etc and I lost both my parents in the past two years um, <clears throat> as I mentioned you know the house thing is still going hopefully that offer will We'll go through, and uh, yeah, I'm going to try to go there Saturday. Then, of course, that amazing trip to Italy that really, you know, well, we had the memorial, then the trip to Italy, which was amazing, and then uh, Denise broke her, my wife Denise broke her shoulder, and uh, that's been, it's been a very difficult time, and she is getting much better. I think she's going to be going back to work soon. It's been like two and a half months uh, since the accident. But yeah, it's just time is just really feeling off in a strange way. It's not like, um, what? when was this happening? It was like a couple months ago where like I'd wake up in the morning and then I'd be like, it was like, it was like nighttime already. It was like this weird, not like blatant, but like I could remember what happened, but it just was like, wait, it's already nighttime? It, it, yeah, it was just very strange. Very strange indeed. Anyway, 
I want to thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora, (coughs) and we're here in Onsug Radio, as I've been mentioning. Uh, Yeah, go to onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com. It stands for Overnightscape Underground. Uh, for all of the latest shows and ways to get the massive archive and the the current edition of the book, which does exist, came out in 2021, called The Onsug. Uh, Yeah, you can buy that on the site. You can also download a PDF of the book for free, and I do update the book each month with all the latest information, so you can get all that. And access the major archive or everything we have, over 14,000 hours of content on the Internet Archive. It's uh, under the name Onsug Radio as well on the Internet Archive. We have, uh, as I think I was mentioning, it's a uh, you, this is a unique project. It really is. Um, we have uh, our own way of looking at things, our own sort of aesthetic, our own little... Uh, radio world and radio subculture here and it's a non it's non-commercial as I was mentioning we're very dedicated towards uh, preservation and figuring out ways to make sure people will be listening thousands of years from now and uh, you know I really think uh, Hopefully people in the future will hear this and get some something out of it. I think they may find it interesting and unique. I don't know if there's going to be any, any other relic like this from the early 21st century quite like this, this massive archive, all the work I've done and so many other hosts have done here on, on uh, Onsug Radio. I enjoy working on it, and hopefully you enjoy listening to it. There is quite a bit to listen to, indeed. Over a year and seven months of audio and and growing all the time. And we might hit the year and eight-month mark soon. Yeah. So, yeah, spread the word. Help us preserve things, you know. You could be in your time and and place. You may be the only person in the world that knows about Onsug Radio, and maybe you can help reintroduce it to the world. Or maybe it is very popular. Everyone can give their own perspective on it and help move it forward. So whatever you can do would also be appreciated. Anyway, now I think I'm going to go turn off the Christmas tree. Mojo, Mr. Mojo the cat. What are you what are you doing, kitty? <laughs> Turn it off. Yeah. Ooh, now it's rather dark. Anyway, we're going to enter the cosmic source light known as the other side.
a story of bad credit. We have about 30 days left in the bank, and then we're broke. Deep questions. How are your morals tonight? Sort of weak. Good karma. In Chinese, the word for crisis is the same as the word for opportunity. Horrible advice. Say it. Well, you look like the owner of a Del Taco franchise. And profound spiritual discovery. Sarah, I can't feel anything. Peter Weller. It's just my inner child showing through. Judy Davis. Why didn't you get in touch with your inner adult? In a sexy. Wouldn't you love us both? I can play this game. Compelling. What are you doing? Following my bliss. Utterly bankrupt. It's going to be the usual art and spirituality and S&M crowd. New film from Michael Tolkien. Do you have a boyfriend? I have a fiance. Oh, isn't that romantic? The creator of the player. I know I'm sick. I know I got problems. I know I worry about looking cool, but you worry about looking cool too. And I don't tell me you don't. I know, but I'm working on it. The new age. Can you feel it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great.
is brave, of course, but he's never been as brave as this before. Jack Lemmon, funny, naturally, but never so fantastically funny as this. Men chasing Natalie Wood, not surprising, but never so frantically before. has ever been as great as they are in the world's greatest comedy, The Great Race. It's the greatest. It's the gayest. It's the wildest. It's the funniest.
And how could it help but be with Jack Lemmon as Professor Fate, the meanest villain that ever twirled a mustache? Tony Curtis as the great Leslie, gallant lover and heroic daredevil. Natalie Wood as Maggie Dubois, loveliest of lovely damsels in distress. Peter Falk, Keenan Wynn, Larry Storch, Dorothy Provine. It's the fabulous around-the-world race from New York to Paris. A rambunctious, rib-busting riot of a race. Its high points only outrun by the hilarity of what happens in between heats. You are an emancipated woman, Mr. Bois. And I am an emancipated man. They'll lead you a merry chase on land. Under the sea and in the air. You'll never stop laughing once you've started the great race.
because that's the traditional time slot for cult movies, weird, offbeat, bizarre films that their fanatic audiences attend ritualistically time and time again. What makes shock treatment unusual is that this is the first tailor-made cult film. It was specifically produced to attract moviegoers who only come out after midnight. To really understand shock treatment, you have to start here at the Biograph Theater on Chicago's Lincoln Avenue, where a movie named The Rocky Horror Picture Show plays every weekend at midnight. The kids know all the lines by heart, and they dress up like the movie's characters and act out the movie's scenes on the stage of the theater. The new movie, Shock Treatment, was produced by many of the same people who made Rocky Horror Picture Show, and they hope lightning will strike twice. Both movies have exactly the same formula, an odyssey by a super straight middle class couple into a bizarre underworld where science runs wild. You need to beat it. Ooh, This character is Richard O'Brien. He wrote both Rocky Horror and Shock Treatment, and in Shock Treatment, he plays the mad scientist. But what'll I do? What'll I say? Hmm? What'll I wear? Ah! When you see a scene like this, somehow you just know that the makers of Shock Treatment hope it'll capture the Rocky Horror audience. That kids will want to dress up like these new characters and that Shock Treatment will become another midnight cult classic. And a little black dress is what the makers of Shock Treatment hope that a lot of gals and guys will be wearing in the audience of this movie as they dance in the aisles and turn it into an instant cult classic. Will Shock Treatment follow in Rocky Horror's footsteps and play for years at midnight? Well, I don't think so, for a couple of reasons. One, because the Rocky Horror audience is fanatically loyal. They're not about to abandon a movie they spent the last three years of their lives in memorizing. And two, because, to put it bluntly, Shock Treatment just isn't a very good movie. It's too obviously just a retread of Rocky Horror. They're going to have to memorize two scripts here. It's a never-ending task. Now, this Rocky Horror show, I mean, it continues yeah. at its same pace, right? Well, this is a this sequel, except that they have different actors playing the characters. No, but I mean, the original Rocky Horror show, I mean, Oh, it's yeah, still they're still up there on Lincoln Avenue. Yeah, yeah they have all the lines, have all the costumes. You can drive past a little before midnight and see them lined up tomorrow.
I was always frightened of classical music, and I never wanted to listen to it because it was Beethoven and Tchaikovsky and sort of big words like that and Schoenberg. You know, now I always thought, I mean, sort of like a taxi driver the other day said, had some sheet music of a Mozart thing. And I said, what's that, you know? And he said, oh, <laughs> say, oh that's the eyeglass stuff. You won't like that. He said, no, no, you won't like that. And I said, well, what is it, you know? He said, oh, no, you won't like it. You know, it's high class, that. It's very high class. Highbrow. And uh, that kind of way, I always used to think of it. I used to think, well, you know, that is, that's very clever, all that stuff. And it isn't, you know, it's just exactly what's going on in pop at the moment. Pop music is the classical music of now. People just take our music and, you know, in a line, and we just sort of say, yeah, she was just 17. And they just, they read everything into that. She was a 17-year-old nymphomaniac working on the streets of Broadway. But, you know, what we meant is she's just 17. But it might mean all the other as well. I don't know, you know. I, I've no idea if there's a, any aeolian cadences and, you know, miasmic climaxes <laughs> and all of that. I mean, we're the last people to know about our songs because the pop world's never heard the pop world as such. Because we can't, you know, it's like if you look at a snapshot of yourself, you're looking at what tie you were wearing or whether you were looking nice in the snapshot. You know, but anyone else would just take the snapshot and say, oh, that's good, that's a snapshot of Tony, you know, that's nice. Yeah. We really just always think of ourselves as just happy little songwriters. <laughs> just little rockers, you know, just playing in a rock group. But it gets more important than that after you've been over to America and you've sort of got knighted. It's more fun in the record if there's a few sounds that you don't really know what they are and really they're just instruments, only something happens on here, you know, I couldn't tell you what because we have a special man who sits here and goes like this and the guitar turns into a piano or something, you know. And then you may say, why don't you use a piano? Because the piano sounds like a guitar. When we were touring, when it was at a sort of peak of hysteria, instead of just thinking, you know, that's nice, I mean, we could have just thought, aha, click. You know, let's use this and for evil, you know. But there's no desire in any of our heads to sort of take over the world, you know. That was Hitler, that's what he wanted to do. There is, however, a desire to get power in order to use it for good. You've got power, you've got to use it for the good. Because like everyone else, we read the papers, we go through all the things that most people go through. So if everyone wants to say a thing at a certain time, it's handy being a songwriter. You know, you can put your finger on it, like a yellow submarine. You know, that was lucky, though. As we live.
same place Not once, but twice and thrice Big trees come crashing down Giants cut aside Hey, this is Frank Edward Nora, Lord of Obliviana, and uh, coming to you today from uh, Mulberry Street here in Southern Lower, whatever, Manhattan, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to uh, Beta Storm Tune number two. And uh, a lot of great stuff coming up for you and uh, on the Beta Storm Tune number two. And we're going to start off right now with the setting of the storm. And uh, I have it right here. I've already drawn the cards, but I don't know what storm they make yet. So here we go. Setting of the storm live as I'm walking down Mulberry Street. All right. We have Night Flip 8 and Day Deer 17. And it looks like that makes for storm 74. So here we go setting the storm. We have night flip 8, that's out of 11. And day deer 17, that's out of 19. And the storm is 74. So night flip 8, day deer 17, and storm 74. All right, so there you go storm is set and uh, get ready for some some crazy audio material coming up here on storm soon okay welcome to classic tronica number two People just follow the line when I was kind of Custer's Revenge revelation with the, uh, track, the matter with track and field controllers, perhaps. Uh, that was, come on, just describe that. I mean, that was a very interesting thing. Crazy Americans. People want to hear about this, you know? I 
what's up with that? I totally forgot about that. Well, what do you have to say about it? <laughs> that, this is it, basically. What's up with that? Have you ever done that? Played Custer's Revenge with the track and field controller? Well, I've never played Custer's Revenge, sorry. <laughs> yeah, wait, let's, let's edit, edit this out here. <laughs> yeah, Bonzi, jump the fucking buses! <laughs> sorry. I hate motorcycles. And where is this damn Walmart? It's a cop. Huh? You've been here, haven't you? Give it some time. Oh my god. It's done a mile and a half. <laughs> right now. What? Is that very, very good? number two distilled highlights that you just heard and coming right up is another great bluff tune called the bluff cosm five minute vacation from sanity number four and here it is get him on <laughs> uh-oh hey robert what's up get your underwear back no damn Damn the system. Stop and come straight up and come straight up here on the opposite side of the road. You're gonna see that and he's gonna well, we're gonna film me doing that first. It's security sir, get that sign in the building. Sequence? Yeah. You got you got the outside building thing now. Good evening, Drew University. You see? A bit more. filming today. How, how was it? These blood teeth fucking shitty. The dream sequence. Yeah. It's like ch -ch 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 -ch. surreal type. This is 
what my grandmother does. She she cuts out these articles out of magazines, and they're all like about lobsters. And wait, these pictures are great because you see the marching lobsters. Wait, they're marching. Look, they're marching. Wait, look, look, they're marching lobsters. Isn't that great? I don't get it. That's bizarre. <laughs> if they march, they just kind of that's what they do. That would make a good meal. Look at how large that lobster is. Great meal. What? So and uh, then she sends me these cute little postcards and um, I forgot that these things existed. So uh, I want to drop these off. Well, I don't have any money. Hi. Do you mind going together? No, I was supposed. To, I I'm gonna go to dinner now. Jack, want to go to dinner? Hi, I'm Ted Collins, telling you to get up and get moving. It's a lovely day out today. Come on, get out of bed. Just don't. Here, you, look, you, you look good in this shot. Turquoise extravaganza. I gotta put it on manual Black focus, I'm sorry. Fireworks. How far do, are we uh, going on that exam tomorrow? Uh, like a paper, but I'm gonna be trying to, you know. Okay, we're recording now. We're recording now? Yes, we are. Speak up in the mic, Frank. We're recording now. Speak up it blinks when you say something. Yeah, it blinks when you say something. The N word. Yeah. You homo. <laughs> Coke. And, um, do this on the It would happen to him, he deserved. His life's in shambles. <laughs> but he wanted to find a gas Tell me how it went. Something from Swahili too. And I said, and then we said at the same time, Urdu. Yeah, you could do that. We live in a very strange time. Yes. I, I, I thought yeah. it was very complimentary. <laughs> You don't understand. This political correctness is not. No one. You know. You can't say anything about anyone. I was left behind. When you know. that train took off from the station. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Last night, these were alive. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. The night before, those bears were alive. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Last night, these dolls were like, alive. Oh, yeah. Like they're moving around and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. The other night, these dolls were like, alive. Oh, yeah. Like they're moving around and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. The other night, these dolls were like alive. Oh yeah. Like moving around and stuff. Yeah. This would be good. Go. Ah! Hey, this is Frank again, and uh, I'm still walking down Mulberry Street, heading towards the Chinatown area, and uh, just want to talk a little bit about uh, storm joining and 209 and all that. Basically, uh, you know, I think 
we all have such incredible freedom that we don't use. Just think of it, wherever you are right now, imagine all the places you could be in one hour or two hours or one day. Just just uh, consider the places you could potentially be if you just started walking or got in your car and drove the millions of different places that you could be. But now think about the places that you're likely to be because in your mind there are probably only a few different choices of the kinds of things uh, that you're going to be doing. Uh, you know, for example, if, it's, it's, if you have some leisure time, it's like, well, am I going to watch TV? go out, you know, to the mall, you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and there may be only a list of maybe three, four, five things, whereas you have the freedom to do literally millions of different things. Now, of course, a lot of people say that, you know, well, well, why would I want to do this other stuff? It's just weird. And indeed, that why is what Corridor is all about. Corridor is limiting. Corridor limits your options limits your freedom, but it also limits your choices so that you don't have to go crazy with choices all the time. But wouldn't it be nice if sometimes you could uh, break away from this very restrictive state of affairs and go on just an interesting, unexpected adventure? That's what Storm Joining is all about. Alright, so here I am on Mulberry Street. And it's very crowded at this part of Mulberry Street. This is like Little Italy or something. Anyway, I think we have time for one more bluff tune in this Dashic Deeds portion of the program. Uh, this one is called Bad Hole. And I think you're going to enjoy it. And here it is. Here is somebody who I like. And his name is John Dara, or maybe Dewey. Hello. Hi, 16. www.obliviana.com and uh, 
I'm recording this on uh, November 21st, 2001. All right. Bye-bye.